Welcome to B-Movies and Ebooks. I'm Craig Wade. And I'm Brian Allen Delaney. And it is episode 142, I think. Um, and Sounds on this, right. we're covering uh, Bastic... Bask- Hi, <laughs> 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 right, we're covering Clown in a Cornfield by Adam, Adam Caesar. And... <laughs> sorry. Um... <laughs> The mortuary uh, uh, collection. Yeah, there we go. Okay, I don't know. I made a dumb joke off mic about us covering basket case, and then I <laughs> was like, "We're covering basket case." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, before we get into any of that, what's new with you? Uh, not too much, you know. Just enjoying quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. Yep. Quarantine month. Eight? Something like that. Eh, I mean, it's not really quarantine. No. You know, you just don't go anywhere or do anything. Some people yeah. do. You could always be those people. <laughs> um, but yeah. No, we, uh, yeah, I hadn't done. Thanks for asking, by the way. Every week. Oh, thanks yeah. for asking. Um, Every time, yeah. yeah I, I don't care. I hadn't really <laughs> done much either. We, uh, had a Halloween, you know, socially distanced yeah. Halloween. Watched uh, Ghostbusters in the driveway. And uh, when people came up, we were like, your bag of candy's over there. <laughs> <And> <laughs> but by the end, it's kind of like, ah, stay, here you go. Stay, stay six feet away, whatever. Here's your candy, you know. But, uh, but yeah, it was fun. Did that. Um, and other than Halloween, which was two weeks ago, I've done nothing. <laughs> I've been real busy at work. Uh, apparently there, this is just going to be the hurricane season that never ends. Um, so yeah, yeah. Um, hadn't even really watched movies or done literally anything. Yeah. I mean, yeah, me neither really. Like, I mean, I don't know. I I've kept up to date with like the Mandalorian and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, New Star Trek. I heard you know, important things. I heard about Egg Gate on the Mandalorian. Oh my god, it was so sad. Why was he eating the frog lady's eggs? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but you know, he's hashtag canceled. But like, I because we were watching it, and um, you know, there's a point where he goes up to the egg canister and he's looking at it, and I'm like, ah, oh, crap, he's gonna eat those eggs. Right, and my wife was like, "No, he's not." You know, whatever. And then he just straight up ate eggs. Yeah, you know and they even like, they even have a Funko Pop of him with I the know, egg canister. It was announced like the day it aired. <laughs> <laughs> I I I've seen two episodes, um, but you know I understand that they were trying to uh, like there was a, a species on the edge of extinction, and those were like some of the last well, eggs, but they weren't fertilized. Yeah, Either. no, it was it was the it was a frog lady, mm-hmm. right? Um, I mean, I'm gonna call her that because that's what they call her, basically. Uh-huh. Um, and even in the co- the captions, it's like frog lady speaking frog whenever she talks. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, it was like her last clutch of eggs. Oh, okay, so it wasn't, and so it was like that was her last chance to have like children. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so it was uh he was taking her um back to this planet where her husband was on so he could fertilize them. He didn't eat all of her eggs, right? 
No, it's like five. <laughs> Out of how many? Um, I don't know. Maybe two dozen. Okay. See, it's overblown. They weren't. They weren't fertilized anyway, right? No, they were not. So, because uh, the the writers actually defended it on Twitter. <laughs> I think it was on Twitter. It could have been on some other outlet, but they were like, it wasn't fertilized, man. It's the same as eating eggs at the store and all this stuff. Like, they, were like, they were like, it was dark humor and it was it was messed up, but he didn't eat them all and they weren't fertilized. Like, they were like, we went it through this honestly, in the writer's room. <laughs> it was honestly probably the darkest thing Mandalorian's ever done. Huh. Probably. <laughs> Well, at least the darkest thing he's ever done. The child, right? Yeah. Well, th- that's the thing. It's like, it's a well-established pattern of behavior because he eats, like, everything. Yeah. Like, it's it's sort of a running g- gag as he'll have stuff in his mouth. He's like the you little know, dude on Futurama. Uh, what's yeah, his name? Nibbler. Nibbler, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I-, I was gonna, I was thinking. He's like the little guy on Futurama. You know, eat him. That's not his name. <laughs> you know. Philip J. Fry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, uh, I really, really want to see that uh, Blumhouse movie, that freaky movie on Blumhouse. Oh, yeah. I was actually going to talk about that. Um, I haven't seen it yet, um, but I think I've convinced my wife to watch it because I was like, it's Freaky Friday with a murderer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I mean, it's that Blumhouse brand. Like, I think it, this is a little more like gore soak than uh, Happy Death Day, but you know, uh-huh. from what I hear, it has that same kind of vibe, which is yeah. more of a mainstream than that rather than just horror or fan vibe. You know, it's a mainstream vibe. Uh, yeah, and you know the um, the tomato meter is surprisingly high on both critics and among audiences. Yeah, it's like eighty five or something like that, right? Yeah, and, something. Yeah, and the audience score is eighty two. Uh, so yeah, it, I think it hits VOD in two weeks, so uh, I'll be waiting for VOD. Uh, yeah, it's got like a, it, it had a pretty big opening weekend for the pandemic anyway, yeah. like 4 million almost, which puts it at number one, which is crazy. Cause like, if you would have talked about, if, if this would have been 2019 and you're like, oh, the number one movie in, in the country made four million dollars people would be like what the hell are you talking about <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah what? you know because like in game happened in 2019 and it made like a billion dollars in its first week <laughs> yeah i think for a while we're gonna see a significantly lower budget movies uh only because they have to be able to make it uh, you know they have to be able to make four million and cut even uh and yeah. make a profit so we're not gonna it's likely we're not going to see anything uh, to that kind of scale for a while, which kind of sucks. Yeah. But as a fan but, of non-blockbuster videos, you know, I'm not a huge, yeah. uh, massive uh, blockbuster video fan. Um, <laughs> blockbuster video. Yeah, I'm not you're a blockbuster R and M movie house. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, hey, uh, uh, a blockbuster film fan. Uh, like I like low budget and and stuff. I I think that we're gonna still see some really neat stuff coming out uh, in the relative short time frame. Um, it's just everything kind of has to make money on VOD, and mm-hmm. that sucks because then VOD prices are like twenty bucks. But you know what? I'm yeah. I'm willing to pay it in light of the fact that there's no theaters open. Exactly. Know? Yeah. 
Because if you look at it, that's like how much you'd be paying for, you know, two people to go see a movie anyway. Yeah. And that's like pre sodas and popcorn. Like anytime we go with our whole family, every time it costs over a hundred bucks. It's like, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, what what I like about it is it seems like it's kind of um, leveling the playing field for independent movie like uh, production companies and stuff. You know, like I understand Blumhouse is like a it is sort of a powerhouse in the horror universe anyway. You know, with or like just in film and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I mean they've also done like Black Klansmen. And, and stuff like that. Well, I'm just saying, like, it, it, even it's not like they just had just paranormal activity. They had like Sinister and Happy Death. Yeah, Day. they've had like a lot of hit films. But, yeah, no. So, so I'm saying, so, so, so I'm saying, like, as far as indie film production companies go, they're at the top, you mm-hmm. know. Anyway, but I'm saying, like, you're seeing a bunch of smaller production houses actually get in, like, you know, top ten movies and stuff, and people are talking about it. And they would have been, it, that would have never happened a yeah. year ago. So, I don't know. It's it's kind of interesting, like a like a shift in the the movie industry that's going on with this. Oh, for sure, for How sure. How long it'll last? Who knows? Yeah, I, I mean, I think actually, you know, with with some of the vaccines coming out and stuff, we're gonna see. Uh, a return to somewhat normalcy, even if the face masking and stuff continues for quite a while. And, uh, I think people that have been risk averse will get the vaccine and just kind of continue on with their lives, you know, with or without a face mask, uh, after the vaccine rolls out, I see a somewhat return to normalcy, but obviously I would not suggest, (laughs) suggest it until the science leads us that way. You know? Yeah. Like, uh, uh, but I don't know. I, I, I hope that at least mid year 2021 or late 2021, we see a return to somewhat normalcy because, uh, I think I speak for all of us, regardless of your opinion on this, that this kind of sucks at this point, (laughs) you know, yeah, but it really does. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, without going into it, that whole election thing is uh, insane, too. (laughs) 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 So. (laughs) The whole election. You have a you have a candidate that won by every metric, but then you have a a candidate that won in in his mind only. And thus his followers think everything else is fraud. We're I don't think this is going in a good (laughs) direction <laughs> but we'll see we'll see but yeah whatever fuck it we're here to talk movies right yeah did you see that I election though <laughs> 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 uh, but uh yeah uh there was something else something on shutter that hit a few weeks ago that looked really interesting oh may the devil take you too um I never saw the first one. May the devil take you. And so maybe maybe next week we cover both of them. A uh, double feature? Yeah. No? Okay. <laughs> no, I'm good with that. I didn't. Do, uh, oh, go ahead. That was it. <laughs> I think the first one was on Netflix. And then the second yeah, one was on Shudder. It says it's Netflix. 
Are these even... I don't think that they're... Oh, they're Indonesian. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like reading a book, too. <laughs> <laughs> so we get our reading in. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, I was going to ask you if you still wanted to do a <laughs> I mean... But I guess not. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I just... I had seen the title before, but I'd just never seen it. You know, like never seen the films. And I didn't know if you knew anything about those. But whenever I I saw part two hitting Shudder, I was like, was this bigger than I thought it was? Like, what's the deal? Because a lot of things hit Shudder, but they don't feature a lot of things. And this was a featured thing, a featured film. Um, Yeah. Is it one they actually released? Like, is it a Shudder original? Uh, Yeah. Well, I don't know. Hold on. I don't think so. They probably buy, bought the American rights. Yeah, it looks like it. Because um, it says, "Oh, it was, go it was ahead." Released, it was released uh, in Indonesia on Disney Plus. <laughs> <laughs> well, Disney Plus Hotstar. I don't know what that means, but like, um, it's apparently like a subsidiary of Walt Disney Company in India. Man, they got some neat stuff on Disney Plus in Indonesia. They're coming in with the hot takes, huh? <laughs> I mean, I was only watching Disney's The Gummy Bears the other day on ours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that on there? Yeah, and it does not hold up well. Yeah, I didn't think. I had no uh, <laughs> feeling that it would. You know what? I'm reading that these movies really don't have good consensus. <laughs> Let's skip the double feature next week. Uh, I heard good things about Blood Vessel, though. Another Shutter exclusive. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's that real trippy one, right? Yeah, they, like, find themselves on a, a group of people uh, find themselves on, like, a Nazi ship. That, and it kind of looks like a, almost like the thing on a warship. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like an abandoned Nazi ship, but then it turns out there's, like, uh, evidence of, I, I don't know if it's, like, a cult activity or something, but there's some body horror with Nazi zombie type things. People, uh, you you said a bunch of things that I love. Yeah, let's cover. I mean, not, like, okay, <laughs> let me let me clarify. No, no, no. You love Nazis. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I know what you're saying. Uh, go ahead, clarify. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds really crazy. So I'm down for watching uh, Blood Vessel next week. I also watched uh, one half of the Creep Show animated special this past week. Um, How was that? Um, it was. If you like the Creep Show remake, um, it was good. Um, it was much more or less of a animated special. I don't know how the second half is because I fell asleep halfway through. But the first half is much more of like a motion comic, mm-hmm. which I'm fine with. Whatever you know, it didn't have yeah. to be like stellar animation. It, motion yeah, comic works. John Booth over here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so um yeah i watched that uh what else yeah and that's about it um so anyway <laughs> slow news week <laughs> well i was gonna say did you hear that they arrested the guy who assaulted rick moranis no <laughs> they got him good yeah um well it's a sus they've arrested a suspect um, so tell me what he allegedly <laughs> did or his alleged motivations. Oh, we—they don't know. He's—he's uh, he's a homeless man, um, 
And that's really all the information that we've got. Mm. Okay. A 35-year-old homeless man punched <laughs> Rick Moranis. Yeah. But that was it. That's like, so weird. Why you punch Rick Moranis? Maybe, maybe we've been fooled this entire time and Rick Moranis sucks. You think he's thinking he's actually like Dark Helmet? <laughs> no, I just... Like no, I think he's probably a nice guy by every metric and everyone, all accounts, he's supposedly a really nice guy. So yeah. I'm probably wrong. But I don't know what would give a homeless guy motivation to do that unless he was a jerk to him. But who knows? Guy could have mental illness or a bevy of anything else, any other unknowns. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, maybe maybe the guy just hated Ghostbusters. Maybe. Maybe he thought he was really going to find the gatekeeper, you know, that he was actually Vince Corthu, Keymaster Gozer. I doubt it. <laughs> but maybe, maybe, maybe he got scared. Maybe he thought he was shrunk. <laughs> Rick Moranis never got shrunk. <laughs> no, not in the first one. I'm talking about like, honey, we shrunk ourselves. Oh, yeah, I forgot that one even existed. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, there was Honey, I, I Shrunk the Kids. Honey, re- honey I Shrunk... Blew up the Kid. Yeah, uh, that was a third, I think, right? No, Honey, I Blew Up the Kid was the second one. Okay, and then Honey, We Shrunk Ourselves. And then I think there may have been a made-for-TV uh, uh, movie. Honey, We Shrunk the Universe, so everything's normal. <laughs> <laughs> everything's the same. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, they're doing that. They're doing a a sequel. It's just called Shrunk. Oh yeah, yeah. I think I think I actually mentioned it last time. You know, I think Stuart Gordon. I know he did at least the first one, but Stuart Gordon did that, uh, and he basically, you know, Reanimator and like from Beyond. Dude, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was amazing. No, like that first one. I got you, but it's kind of crazy that that's the guy that did it. You know. Well, I mean, like some of that stuff was like, you know, existential dread. Like whenever they're facing the ants and stuff, I guess it's like yeah, no, it's, okay, it's scary, but not like <laughs> giant ants are basically like aliens from beyond. Because mm-hmm. I mean, like you get up close and they've got the weird mouth parts and stuff. It's all kinds of weirdness. I got you, but existential dread may be a little too much, huh? No, huh? I said existential dread may be a little too much. <laughs> Just more yeah. like ah. That's well, scary. I mean, you gotta think it. Are you thinking like, you know, if you start to think about it, you're like, well, is the space between all of my molecules different? You know, am I the same person? Nobody. You know, like, no, they, nobody. In how that am film, I breathing? Yeah, nobody in that film thought of any of that. <laughs> how, how are they even breathing? Because like the oxygen molecules around them wouldn't change shape no. or change size. Yeah. So how are their? Lungs? But they weren't smaller than an oxygen molecule. No, but their <laughs> lung, the the little like. You know the 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 spaces in their capillaries inside of their lungs that take the oxygen in would have been smaller because they would have been shrunken too. Yeah, yeah. So how are they even breathing? No, man, I just worry about these things. Such existential <laughs> dread that film gives me. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, what else do we have? 
I got nothing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My you... two things were Rick Moranis and Freaky, and we talked about both of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? I put something in, oh, our... in our Evernote. Yeah, and I. Yeah. I, I uh, did... I deleted it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I saw it and never looked at it again. Um. Yeah. Oh, did you look at the AMC? Uh, AMC now is doing a all-in service that it bundles Shutter and AMC Plus or some shit, and something else for like ten dollars a month. And and so mm-hmm. instead of the five ninety nine for Shutter, you can round up to ten. It has every AMC show and new AMC exclusive shows in it. I wonder if they fixed their um, their streaming AMC streaming. Mm-hmm. Like we, we used to watch Walking Dead on it. Mm-hmm. was the worst streaming experience like I've ever had. It would stutter and it was like it would come in at like I'm 480 basically. No really. It was, it was bad. So I wonder if they fixed it. Hmm. Um the what you had sent was What's something about, about yeah the Evil Dead reboot. Yeah. But I mean, it's really nothing. It's it's like Bruce Campbell talked about it for a second, but it's like there's really no information. Yeah, and the problem is is like there's been so much like misinformation from either Bruce Campbell or uh, Sam Raimi being like, oh yeah, we're gonna go this direction. <laughs> and everyone's like, the official word is that it's they're going this direction, and let's look with bated breath for the brand new film, you know. And you're just like, yeah. I don't know, that guy just kind of said it in passing, and you're taking it way too hard. Yeah, yeah. I also like uh, that everyone from a website is like, "Hello, everyone! Welcome to the twenties." Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> um. Okay. Well, do you want to get into the film first? Uh, yeah, sure. Or do you want to do book? Your call. Flip a coin. Oh, well, I guess it is B movies and ebooks. Okay. So let's go movie first. All right. We'll be <laughs> well. I mean. I'm cool with just going. That's top building. <laughs> All right. We'll be right back. All right. We're back. We are talking the mortuary collection. You're uh, talking basket case. <laughs> yeah, no, no, but it, I did think about that for a second and didn't want to laugh. You know, I'd hate if there were some laughs that got in this podcast. All right. So the mortuary collection. <laughs> Written and directed by Ryan Spindle. Uh, So here's the IMDb synopsis. An eccentric mortician recounts several macabre and phantasmagorical tales that he's encountered in his distinguished career. I just wanted to say it because it says phantasmagorical. (laughs) Yeah. um, And this uh, Shudder exclusive, it... uh, Kind of came out of nowhere, close to Halloween. I'd never heard of this film or anything. You? Yeah, no, I haven't. And, like, literally, it just kind of came out of nowhere. I'm not familiar with Ryan Spindle. I'm not familiar with the Mondo Boys, whoever that is. <laughs> but uh, they composed the music. <laughs> yeah, I liked the music a lot, actually. Yeah. Um. um this, this guy, Ryan Spindle, um, has done a bunch of shorts... And then this, and then he's um, he's done a couple of episodes of that Fifty Shades of or Fifty States of Fright. Have you heard about that? 
Yeah, it was on Quibi. Quibi, but it got canceled. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Quibi got but, canceled. Like, not really that. Yeah. Show. <clears throat> well, I mean, I guess technically it got canceled because they all did. Yeah. But but it was like uh, Sam Raimi's. Like he produced it or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so without any frame of reference, other than the fact that Clancy Brown's in it, um, I just was like, okay. Um, I heard one person say, hey, you should check this out. This is kind of (laughs) good. And so so that was all (laughs) I went into. That's all you need. (laughs) Um, That said, this, you know, like you said in the synopsis or in the summary, it's it's an anthology film. It's got four stories. and it was highly enjoyable for the most part. Um, I, I'll get in. Do you want to go into the uh, section at a time, or do you just want to discuss the film as a whole? Um, I don't know. I guess we could just discuss it as a whole. Okay. I so, because I mean, I think it would be kind of hard to go in each individual one without spoiling them. Okay. So I you will know? just say that but, the first two. I found highly enjoyable, albeit a little cartoonish. Are you are you counting the first one, the one that's only like four minutes long? With the girl in the uh, bathroom? Bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because okay. that's one of them. I just did. That's one of the four, right? I mean, I get... Yeah. Okay. Just it's just sure. that second one's crazy long. Second one is like yes. almost 40 minutes or something. Uh, but Maybe we should say what they are. Okay. <laughs> All right. So the first one... I, Woman finds herself in the bathroom at a party and she's wanting to go through um, the medicine cabinet, but there may be something unknown lying in the medicine cabinet. Right? It's very yeah. short. It it kind of set the tone. It was a good tone setter. And I think that the placement of it was great. Just yeah. to be like, and establish the fact that some of these, in fact, uh, all except for one are kind of period pieces, different periods. Well, see, like, okay, so I don't think they were, right? Okay, because A, um, it's, you know, it's it's stories about people who are, like, in his mortician, like, in his mortician practice, right? But, like, for instance, the the... The second one was the... I forgot what order they were in. The second one was the college one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, that one straight up looked like it was in the 50s, right? Because of what, how everyone was dressing and stuff like that, right? Um, but one of the classes he mentioned was talking about the impact of, like, Mesopotamia in the 21st century. So I think it was, like... I think it was current it's just everything was stylized like it but, was in the 90- but that really 40s all right yeah you you kind of cut out for a little bit there but it also okay if that's the case then why the push on the lib women's lib movement on it they weren't presenting themselves as like woke they were doing like hey you girls can now take advantage of you know you your own your you can make choices for yourselves as if this is tailgating the women's lib movement. I understand, but like you know, he, so, he straight up said it was in the twenty first century. Well, I think that that's probably just an error. If the rest of the story, no, I I think 
I think they were going for a an it follows type feel where it's just kind of it's inconsequential what time period it actually is and you can't really tell because uh, there's like anachronistic stuff I guess and you know cuz like it follows everybody looked like they were from the 70s or 80s and, and then they, they had have... a weird phone <laughs> yeah i got that was from the future <laughs> yeah weird but i i honestly think that's what it was um you know because like all the technology and stuff they used like uh, radios or phones or stuff that would show up were from 40s, 50s, right? That sort of thing. But then, you know, what they were talking about. I mean, you don't think that maybe, just maybe that was one script error? No, I don't. Because like, um, all right, because the, the, the last person, or I'm sorry, the, 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 the third story, was like literally about the the woman on his embalming table, yeah, right. And then the last one um, was also about one currently in the mortuary, and the the props and stuff were the same in those too. Like everyone was dressed like forties and fifties. She was listening to a radio that looked like it oh came, yeah, like, still had about- tubes. Yeah, and the news broadcasts were in black and white. Man, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I really felt like the first two especially were period. I think it was just I think it was just trying to set like a tone. But like the the societal tone is different. You know what I'm saying? Like like someone on a college campus now being like, you know, then it's around the news that women can make decisions of, on their own body. That w- they'd just be like, "Get wrecked, turd." You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like people wouldn't be nice. These uh, these people were clamoring because it felt like a new movement in the film. Do you I, mean, see what- I think there's. I think there's. I mean, maybe that one was. Maybe that one was <laughs> set differently, but he still said 21st century. But also, like. There are some people, Craig, who don't know that. <laughs> not, on a, on a, not on a college campus. Like, I'm I, not saying I that like there there's. Are. <laughs> there are people that are like <laughs> women's lib happened? <laughs> Question mark. Some people are really sheltered. I guess. And uh, then, like, college is their first experience in the real world. Yeah, I guess. Um. <laughs> anyway, whatever. <laughs> All right, so. Uh, all period pieces aside, the one that felt like it was in the 70s or in the uh, late uh, mid 60s, um, the second one. Yeah. <laughs> um, that one. Oh, I looked up that uh, Karl Marx quote, by the way. Oh, yeah. I don't even cause, remember. Because uh, he said that um, uh it said social progress can be measured exactly by the social position of the, uh, uh, well, he said of female sex, but that's not what it says, right? So I looked it up, right? And I just want to say that it says, uh, I'm going to go one sentence before it says, anyone who knows anything of history knows that great social changes are impossible without the feminine ferment. Social progress can be measured exactly by the social position of the fair sex, the ugly ones included. That's in the quote. <laughs> and Karl Marx's? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, 
Uh, it was, it's in one of his letters. I feel like, uh, right. he, I feel like for a totally different reason, Karl Marx about to get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just looked it up and I thought that was hilarious. So I wanted to share. Yeah. <laughs> um, that, that sketch or, or, or sketch. you know, <laughs> that segment, uh, took what felt like the bulk of the anthology or the film to me. Um, and it was enjoyable. It was different. Yeah, and, it was like 30, 40 minutes. Yeah. It, it was different than the rest in the sense that it was much more, um, the rest of this, maybe other than some gore and some light language, uh, didn't really have any, any sex, anything like that in it, in the rest yeah. of the film. And that, that segment did. Honestly, this film, with that segment aside, kind of felt almost like a PG-13. It really, to me, reminded me a lot of what uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark should have been. And I liked Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark for what it was, but it felt like that to me. Yeah, Uh, like, I was thinking about this the whole time. Like, that, who was this movie actually for? Okay? Because, um, you know, like... Okay, some of it is extremely gory, right? Mm-hmm. Um, some of it, like this segment, is extremely sexual, right? Mm-hmm. Like, extremely. Um, but, like, the way it's shot, and it's these little morality tales, right? Um, but but the way it's shot, it's... The morality tales are explained to the audience. Yeah. Right? Like, almost like... It's a kids movie. Yeah, I, I'll you know t- what I mean. I'll tell you who who this was aimed for. I I really feel like this was aimed for fans of EC Comics. I would totally agree with that. What? Because that's exactly what happened with like Crypt Keeper and stuff. Uh huh. Um, is they would explain why the person got their comeuppance or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, and I I yeah I I totally agree with you. Um. But it, it was just interesting because, like, the beginning, you know, um, the the first skit um, could have been, if they would have continued in that sort of tone, even, like, honestly, a kid's movie. Oh, yeah. No, that one felt like that was out of scary stories to tell in the dark. Uh, yeah. And, and so I was like, is this, I was like, is this, like you know, a little bit higher up than Goosebumps. You know what I mean? Like, is it is it, like, for a little older kids than that? And then the second one came, and I was like, oh, no, it is not for children. <laughs> yeah, that, turns, out, <laughs> turns out, no. Um, <clears throat> have you watched any of Creeped Out on Netflix? Yeah. You I should. It's good, though. Um, yeah, it, it's exactly what you were talking about, like, a Goosebumps for a little higher. I'd say it's probably for 10 to 12. Where Goosebumps uh-huh. will probably be eight to twelve, yeah, like some overlap. But I mean, uh, Creeped Out's actually pretty good. It, it's also got some pretty Black Mirror moments in it too. Um, but uh, uh, so yeah, I think that's what Chris basically called it was like little kid Black Mirror. Yeah. Didn't he? <laughs> oh, I don't know, but I know his daughter likes it. Um, but yeah, so this I, I really feel like. With the whole morality tale, because honestly, um, at that time, uh, a lot of 
the EC comics and, and even Friday the 13th and stuff come from a, a their morality tales from a traditional society traditional uh, uh, standpoint. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? The kids are straying. The people are straying and they're punished. Uh-huh. Um, so I wonder if that's also why there was a conscious decision to make it look like 40s and 50s. Possibly. I don't know. Um, but I, I mean, that was also the heyday of EC Comics was in the 50s. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I really, really um, enjoyed this film with the exception of one segment. And I, I wonder if you can Is guess. Is this the one that's coming up next? Yes. I thought that was the lamest uh, shit I think I may have ever seen in in a while. It didn't ruin the movie or anything, and there were it, parts that were good, but there were too many unknown explanations, like unknowns about it, that it just was yeah. like it felt out of step with the rest of the. I, film. I feel like it felt kind of like um, like a Telltale Heart, yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, you know, where that. it was more, it was more gothic, sort of because it was like, you know, it's about a guy going mad sort of thing, which was a very common theme in in that time. But basically that one is... Oh, we didn't even say what the second one was. Uh, a horny college student gets his comeuppance. Well, I mean, he, he, he was... Uh, he was exploiting uh, women's empowerment for yeah. his own... His own Basically, being like, y'all can make your own decisions, now sleep with me, <laughs> right? Yeah, and yeah so, basically. And so, yeah, and so he gets, like you said, he gets his comeuppance. Um, the third one is about um, a guy caring for his comatose wife. Mm-hmm. Does it say how she went comatose? Uh, I don't think it did. It just I think it flash- was just... Yeah, flash forward from his wedding day to her being comatose. Yeah. Um, because whenever they were examining her on the, oh, I mean, the framing narrative, I guess, is um, the main character, Sam, is looking or is is interviewing for a job with uh, current mortician uh, Clancy Brown. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, so he's showing her uh, the, the third person. And like, I think the only thing that really mentions it is like he was talking about how you can tell by signs on the body that she had been in a comatose state for a while, you know, and stuff like that. And then it just kind of goes into it. Um, But it's basically uh, how much of that can you take before you break? Yeah. Sort of. Yeah. Um, But... Yeah, that one that one seemed um, very much like like trying to be a dark comedy mm-hmm. in a way, like a dark slapstick comedy, if that exists. Yeah, and I feel like even the frame the framing device of the film called it out because she's like, I hated that he did what anyone yeah. would do. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and she's she's like, that one was terrible. <laughs> Um, um, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it got some, it got some kind of like neat surrealist imagery at the end of it that I liked. Uh-huh. Um, and 
you know that and i liked uh, the score in that part and stuff there was there were some good parts to it but i definitely think even compared to the one that was only like four minutes long it was the weak link yeah for sure um for sure. And then the last one ties into the framing device, which we've seen in similar yes. films like Tales from the Hood. And, and well, a lot of anthology films kind of do this where, you know, you, you're they're like, hey, that's not funny. That's my story, you know. Kind of yeah. Deal. And so anyway, but like Little voodoo dolls, like right, you did like s- the, the main thing I remember from Tales from the Hood. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the dude tales from the hood 2 is actually kind of worth watching it's pretty good it's no, was really good oh i love the first one i haven't seen the third one yet it just came out i last month or something but uh yeah. the second one was really like it's got a lot lower budget but yeah it's pretty good um but back to this. So this, I think it was called like the babysitter murderers or babysitter murders. And this one was the only one that got like its own, like stylized film type title card. The, I think I know why. Why? Because the babysitting babysitter murders was a short. He did like five years before. Okay. So you think it was the and same? It, yeah. And so it was, that it was actually same footage and stuff used for it. Like the, how did the actress were, not change? No, the, the mean, parts that were being shown that the TV show she was watching, The Babysitter Murders, uh, okay, were like the, the short and hmm. stuff. So yeah. I thought that was neat. But yeah, I mean, it was um, this one was so I, I like slasher films a lot. Like, yeah, and they're you know not very smart or anything like that. They're not, they don't get you on a cerebral level, and also they don't really carry that much scares. I just kind of like the whodunit aspect and the jump, you know. Yeah, <laughs> and, and so this one was very well executed and it tied into the framing really well on a level that was completely predictable, though. Um, I, I, uh, I don't know. I really, really enjoyed three out of the four segments of this film. Mm-hmm. And it, oh yeah, absolutely. It took me by surprise. It isn't getting a lot of buzz. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't have a whole lot more to say other than the acting was n- not bad uh, by any means. Uh, we got to see Clancy Brown as basically the tall man from Phantasm. He may as well have been. <laughs> um, and and uh, it was it was just overall a very well-made film. Um, yeah. I don't really have anything more to say about it other than I'm going to give it a four out of five. Yeah, uh, I, I, I had a little bit of a... The end was kind of like Return of the King where there was like four or five different endings yeah. to it that just kind of got tacked on over and over again. Right. Um, so, you know, I think it could have maybe ended with one or two of those fewer, but, oh. but um, I agree with you. I think it's a solid four. Yeah. I cool. like it. Uh, it. Like it, it was, you know, stylistic. It was like, it was, competently done you know everything about it had like um you know good like production quality you know what i mean like this was a really well-made film like all around yeah um yeah and 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 for it being like i mean it's an anthology so it's kind of like 
you know, a bunch of shorts, mm-hmm. right? But being this this guy's first feature length, um, is really good. Yeah, yeah, I I really really uh, enjoyed it. I would like to see more from him, him, him as a director, and potentially this as a uh, franchise. You know, Mortuary tells their collection yeah. too. Um, before we get because uh, off of this segment, just because thematically it fits here, last episode uh, we had recurring guest and and <laughs> friend of the show Ryan C. Thomas on. We both got uh, he sent us a Tales of Horror Gasm uh, that he had written a, a story in uh, after the episode last week, and so this just came in. Um, and have you read it yet? I have not. I've skimmed through it. Yeah, it's it really captures a lot of that EC vibe too. Yeah, definitely. So so good. Um, uh, he did want me to mention. You know, I asked him how much uh, we could I could PayPal him, and he said uh, uh, nothing. Just mentioned on the pod that uh, Anthony Trevino, his friend and uh, other uh, writer, he wrote the first story in here. Um, he said to mention on the podcast that his story uh, reeks of a whiny millennial in need of a lap dance. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, um, but yeah, it, man, I, I want to get caught up on these these tales of horror orgasm things. This came out the fall of last year, so I'm assuming maybe they're a quarterly um, type deal. Uh, but yeah, the, these, this is really cool. Cause I've seen a lot of EC comic knockoffs, but most of the time, I mean, I bought two or three, most of the time they really fall short and this yeah. leans in, it, it amps up the, the guts and, and type shit, you know, EC comics, a lot of them just kind of, they were re- mostly revenge tales, scorn lover yeah. type shit, lots and lots of sex, l- lots and lots of off panel violence, but this is yeah. pretty much, uh, this is pretty, uh, it's got a lot of sex, got a lot of gore. Um, I really, really want to check out more of these cause this was insane. Um, so anyway, yeah, thanks. Thanks Ryan for sending us that. I think that was really cool of you. Uh, and, uh, you know, yeah, we'll get you on hopefully again before the next goosebumps, just get you on for <laughs> some other, uh, thing. But, <clears throat> but anyway, um, are you good if we, Start on to Clown in the Cornfield by sure. Adam Caesar. All right, we'll be right back right after this. All right, we're back. We are talking Clown in a Cornfield by Adam Caesar. Um, this film or this book has been optioned for film, uh, according to reports earlier this year, and um. It actually was my most anticipated book of 2020. Um, mm-hmm. and so I am pretty pumped to get in into this and, and talk about it. But essentially, I do not have the summary pulled up. But this is the first uh, YA book that uh, Adam Caesar has written, I believe. Um, and, you know, we don't really cover a lot of YA fiction. Um, yeah. Uh, th- we've done some, but not a whole lot. I read a little bit of it, um, but 
I, I found that a lot of time middle grade type stuff kind of spills over into the YA. And whenever you see the middle grade stuff, I really am not a big fan of. That's like the Goosebumps type stuff. But I, I think that when done right, YA... Wait, did you just say you're not a fan of Goosebumps? No, I'm saying like... <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying like middle grade, uh, middle grade horror. I'm not a fan of. I like Goosebumps because I read it as a kid. Would I pick up Goosebumps now without ever reading it before and be become a fan? Absolutely not. You? Probably not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I was like, I, I don't know. I I just can't see that happening. Um, but why a I feel like when done right on some of the things, uh, and I would even consider Stephen King's it YA. Um, I was actually going to say that too. When done right. Because you're like, we haven't done very much young adult. And I'm like, well, what about it? Yeah. I mean, they don't consider it that for some reason, it but it feels like it though. Yeah. And, and whenever they do it right, it really feels like there, there's so much untapped, uh, uh, I hate to say, but untapped like societal themes that you can explore through like this one. Yeah. And, and so this one was very well executed. So anyway, from the summary, uh, Quinn Maybrook and her father have moved to a tiny, to tiny boring kettle springs to find a brand. God, uh, why am I not? Sorry. You got it, man. You got it. Quinn. All right. So Quinn Maybrook and her father have moved to tiny, boring Kettle Springs to find a fresh start. But what they don't know is that ever since Baypen Corn Syrup Factory shut down, Kettle Springs has cracked in half. On one side are the adults who are desperate to make Kettle Springs great again. And on the other are the kids who want to have fun, make prank videos, and get out of Kettle Springs as quick as they can. Kettle Springs is caught between a battle between old and new, tradition and progress, it's a fight that looks like it will destroy the town until Frendo, the Bay Pen mascot, a creepy clown in a pork pie hat, goes homicidal and decides that the only way for Kettle Springs to grow back to grow back is to cull the rotten crop of kids who live there now. Basically, a uh, pretty on the nose summary of what yeah. happens. So, um, you know, any anyone who who's who's familiar with the show knows i don't read like synopsises about things mm-hmm. um you know uh, while i'm reading it i will say that when they said um you know when they mentioned uh make kettle springs great again mm-hmm. i literally laughed out loud <laughs> um because i wasn't expecting the level of social commentary that was actually in this book mm-hmm. right um and and like the synopsis here kind of spells out that it's that it's going to be about that right and i was not expecting it i was expecting um sort of just a killer clown slasher book you know what i mean and it ended up being sorry it ended up being so much more than that yeah, you know. Well, on, on I, one level, it really is kind of just a killer clown slasher. For no, me, I but. understand, but like, like we were talking about earlier, you know, the the who done it aspect of the slasher, or the the motivation of why the slasher is slashing, 
you know, is is usually the best part uh, about one of those. And it can really make or break the whole entire thing. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's just some dude killing teenagers just because he wants to kill teenagers, you know, it's like, well, we've seen that a bunch of times, mm-hmm. right? It's like what, you know, that's slumber party massacre and stuff, right? Which don't get me wrong. Um, There's a time and place. <laughs> those movies are great. <laughs> but, but it's like, you, you know, I think the, the motivation of, of the killer um, can really, really elevate the, the thing like scream, for instance, you know, like why scream is a classic is I think because of, you know, the, the motivation it's like that they were, you know, basically making a slasher flick, you know, and it was a love letter to all that. Right. And I, I think with Frindo's motivation, um, and it goes into much more detail in, in, in the book than it does in the synopsis here, right? I think it put this on a higher level. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, um, there were parts that seemed almost a little too on the nose. Um, he, but, yeah. uh, uh, but never did it seem like... Like it was heavy handed in it. I think you could, I mean, let's just call, call the, call it for what it is. Uh, it's basically, you know, the make kettle springs great again. They're, they're pretty much Trump fans, right? They're, yeah. And they're, they're annoyed at, at the, the kids uh, who are liberal. Snowflake liberals. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Who are, are, and they don't like them for, for that they don't like them for uh, i guess drugs and and uh sex and other shit that kids get into um mm-hmm. or teenagers not really kids but you know uh teenagers get into and uh so yeah that that that's basically the framework of this i think you could look at it outside of political uh lines it, it parallels and stuff and still really enjoy this book though you know, yeah. because there's there's certain things that these people um, do that are not really indicative of Trump fans, even though, <laughs> uh, even though it is pretty much on the nose. I mean, it's really just a, hey, this town was great in the 50s. Let's make it back to the 50s is what, where yeah. they're coming from. And I'm not so sure that that's a one for one comparison. But uh, it really is. Uh, <laughs> there's a there's a way to make make it seem that way. Um, but yeah, I, I I think you're right that this book, because of that, um, really really does elevate it past a standard slasher. You know, it makes it it makes it smarter. It makes it, it like it takes it from a different angle. Um, yeah. It, it surpasses what you expect whenever the book is literally called Clown in a Cornfield. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty accurate des- de- description of still what happens in the book. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, but I'll tell you this much. I didn't know before I started reading, I hadn't read the summary. I was excited about this because it was a, I was aware that it was going to be a young adult uh, slasher, er, slasher book that pushes limits. That's yes. really all that I knew about it. And so from that, that tells me that, okay, we're about to get the, the book equivalent 
of a teen slasher movie, right? Yeah. And I love. I, I realize this could be a a controversial statement for for this podcast, but I love teen slasher stuff, even the shit from the nineties, like the 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 WB slasher type stuff. You know, like the um. I know what you did last summer's and Scream knockoffs. I feel like Scream is kind of the overlap between the 80s and 90s stuff that is kind of accepted. It's like right in the middle of the Venn diagram. But then it goes into like, I know what you did last summer and Urban Legend. And so I love all that shit plus the 80s. Like, I love all of it. So so I was like, hell yeah, I am down for a slasher book. And then, yeah, I did not know that this was going to get, uh, this was going to have political. A li- little uh, political. <laughs> and you know, just from what I've read of Adam Caesar in general, um, he doesn't tend to get political in his books. There may be some, I don't know. Maybe I'm skipping. I have not read his entire <laughs> uh, bibliography or anything, but uh, but what I've read, he didn't seem really political. So that was kind of uh, you know, kind of <laughs> a surprise. But yeah. um, but no, I loved it. I love this book. I thought it was fantastic. I thought, like, I, I, I was really, really looking forward to reading it. And I, you know me, I set my expectations too high on shit that I get excited about and feel let down yeah, a lot. Absolutely. But then things that I really want to happen, but in either way, I set it way too low. So my bar is never... Right there. I'm not sure that it hit or exceeded. I'm not sure it exceeded my expectations, uh, which were extremely high, but it definitely hit them. I enjoyed yeah. the shit out of this book. Uh, I thought that it was, it was, uh, you had believable characters. <laughs> even, even the ones that immediately fell into like a, a teen slasher character stereotype were, mm-hmm. were filled out later. They became more yeah. three-dimensional characters, even if they at first didn't feel that way. Um, yeah. You had a reveal in the middle of the book. Um, well, a little, at probably the 60% mark, or 60% mark, you had a reveal of who the killer was and his motivations, and yet he was still able to maintain it as a page-turner for the next mm-hmm. hundred or so pages, which yeah. was... Was kind of a feat in and of itself. You had just so many things going for it. I really, really think that this is a uh, this is was done very well. The film, if it gets made, you know, like I said, it was optioned for film. Uh, we had read that uh, I think Bloody Disgusting or, or maybe Joe Blow had reported that, um, but you know, it was optioned for film and. If the film gets made, it needs to get made quick in order to maintain that relevance. Uh, but if the film gets made and done right, hell yeah, you have the recipe for a really, really cool movie. Like I'm, yeah. I loved this book. I I loved it. Um, you, I've gone on and on about it. Go. Uh, no, I mean, I think he, I think you've hit a lot of the things that that I was going to say. Like, um. You know, it, it's a it's a really well crafted book. One thing that I really like is um, his way he describes characters, mm-hmm. right? By using a completely like 
off the wall reference that you're just like, oh, that that makes it, you know, 100%. I know exactly, you know, what uh, what he's talking about. Like um, he describes the dad. He says, uh, all knobby elbows and floppy feet and a Costco four to a pack reading glasses. And I was like, okay, I can picture this person like instantly now, <laughs> you know, um, uh, he, he mentions another, uh, whenever he's talking about ginger and, um, you know, that, uh, where does it say? Like, you know, it says, um, in a hallway where kids were dressed well enough to look like an ad for American Eagle, ginger presented an intriguing alternative. At the very least, she looked like she came from an ad for a different store in the mall. Yeah, like you know, a hot and it's topic. like, yeah, exactly, exactly, and you know exactly what he's talking about, and you can instantly picture the person, uh, and it happens like all the time. Like all the major characters basically have this defining, like, not even not defining feature, but this one little thing that he can throw out there, and you instantly know who the character is. Yeah, you know, and I think that was. Um, I don't know. It just struck me like every time somebody was introduced like that. And it's like, I instantly know what he's talking about. Um, and, and so I think that was just more interesting than just like, Oh, well he had red hair and blah, 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 you know, and stuff <laughs> like that. But um, So I, I just think that was good. Um, I really liked, you know, the, like I said, the motivation for, for the killer and like, you know, it, all that worked out, and then, um, I don't know. I don't want to spoil the end, but like there was uh, uh, about the end, not the very, very end, but like. Are you yeah. talking about a, a reveal among two characters that came out of left field, but made you laugh? It, like seemed like, oh, okay. No. No. No, okay. I'm talking about like the last chapter. Oh, uh, I'm talking um, about. Cole's reveal. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, that was great too. <laughs> like, um, oh okay, <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like this. There's a cast of what probably like eight main kids. Mm-hmm. Something um, like that. So uh, around there, you know, and then there's a few adults that are uh, prevalent, and they all had unique voices. Mm-hmm. You know, they they were, you know, uh, easy to tell, like, what was going on, even though it was, you know, sometimes you had a half a dozen people talking to each other in, in the scene. You know, it never got muddied. Everybody had their own voice. Um, I don't know. This, I, I was I was really impressed with this book. I mean, like, and I, I don't know why I didn't think I was going to be. Um, I mean, the last book that we did by Adam Caesar, I believe got a perfect five from both of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, and I think, you know, some people might be turned off about the, cause not everyone is as uh, gung ho as you are about young adult stuff. <laughs> you know, some, some people might be turned off by that <clears throat> about people saying this is a young adult slasher book, but don't be. Like, no, no. I mean, <laughs> to me, it seems it seems dumb to be turned off by that uh, because I mean, you're discounting. It's the same thing as like, 
PG thirteen horror. Okay, yeah. so but here's the difference: Which is a huge schism in the horror it's community. A, it is, <laughs> but that's discounting like The Ring and Poltergeist was PG. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, but also on the flip side, this ain't a PG thirteen book. This is still a pretty hard fucking R book. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. like there's no this this isn't watered down by any stretch of the imagination. It's not extreme horror, um, yeah. but. It's got lots and lots and lots of violence. Like, if you want yeah. gore and shit, it's not going to be described for pages at length about how, you know, <laughs> you're not going to know the temperature of the blood and exactly <laughs> where, you know, none of that shit. But there's decapitations, there's all sorts, all sorts of shit. Um, and, you know, we didn't really even mention the killer's coming at him with crossbows and I believe at one point a circular saw. <laughs> yeah, a circular saw. <laughs> like it's it's nuts. So I don't think uh if people want to be close-minded to the point that they're like, "Oh, young adult." Like I get it. I understand why, but don't because unless unless you only read extreme horror, you're not going to notice that this is toned down. Now, if you yeah. only read extreme horror, this is not an extreme horror book. And I think but that I mean, if you only read extreme horror, then like Stephen King is toned down and stuff. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, yeah, but also like, a lot of people don't like Stephen King because they feel that he's subdued, uh, yeah. which I don't get. But I like extreme. I, I think extreme horror is fun. I also like mm-hmm. other things, you know? I yeah. like other genres. I'm not a extreme only guy. I do read a lot more extreme horror than than a, a, the average horror fan. <laughs> but, but I mean, there's no reason f- for only, uh, or for discounting this because it's young adult. Uh, and I, I think that young adult, it just in general, if you're talking about the, those years of your life, w- when you're 16 to probably even early 20s, 20, 22, that is defining who you are as a person and kind of you operate for the rest of your life off varying degrees of that base level. I feel like I could be wrong for other people, but for me, I've operated, I found who I was in that range and I've operated off that base level to varying degrees for the rest of my life. And I feel like catching these characters in that moment of their life is more important more important it's all just dumb horror fiction but it's it's uh it's more relevant than being like i'm downtrodden 35 slammed with bills you know what i'm saying (laughs) sorry to get too personal there now that's some existential dread yeah yeah but it just seems i don't know to me i i like seeing uh the these kind of stories, even if they're not young adult and, and they're quote unquote just horror that deals with that time frame, like it. Uh, I, I don't know. I just really like it. So all in all, I will give this a strong four and a half out of five. I'm right there with you. I, I feel like this is a four and a half. I don't. I don't know if it was. I, I mean. I don't think it's up there. Like, I don't think it's perfect. No. Right. But it's a strong four and a half. Yeah. Um, well, there's... I think there will probably be some people out there who will give this a perfect five. Definitely. Oh, obviously. And uh, if I'm right, if I'm writing the book on Amazon, I'll give it a five out of five because yeah. <laughs> I'm much more lenient, but just for the purposes of this podcast, 
Uh, yeah, four and a half out of five. It doesn't change the game. It doesn't do anything like that. But it does take similar to to Scream, whereas Scream was self aware and meta and stuff like that. This doesn't really do that. But it does change yeah. the normal slasher format up, and and it mixes in a little bit of politics. Which hey, you may hate that that that's fine. It doesn't. I still I think even if you're uh, the biggest Trump fan in the entire world. Uh, the, you'll still enjoy this book. I think I could be wrong yeah, because it's, 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 it's not, it's, it's an it's, unrealistic portrayal. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, well that, and it, it doesn't ever mention Trump in the book other yeah, than make kettle Springs great again. And that's just these people who have lived in a town that's starting to starting to become similar to like a Rust Belt town where they they had this this great resurgence industry. Yeah, and then it's not happening so much anymore, which I didn't know corn syrup really took a huge slam. <laughs> I mean, okay, I, it's actually like there's a big push to like get rid of it and stuff. Yeah. I heard just corn syrup. Yeah, I, I, I'm aware, but what I'm saying is, it's not similar to to coal mining or anything. It could have also had something to do with burning down the factory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that <laughs> happens, but but they hated him before that. Yeah. <laughs> so, whatever, man. Uh, but uh, I do think that uh, some of the some of the motivations of the killer uh, when he or she <laughs> starts explaining they. themselves at, <laughs> at, toward the end when they start explaining it and how they were able to get away with it was very smart. And I don't know. I really, really liked it. So I would say yeah. check it out. So Definitely. And, 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 you know, don't be put off by a young adult label because, like, honestly, if someone if if I would never have heard that this was a young adult book, I would have never known. Yeah. So. Well, I think <clears throat> a lot of people just don't like stories about teenagers, <laughs> but it seems weird to me to be a horror fan of all things when it's so teen based, especially in the yeah. 80s, the heyday. Like it's all mm-hmm. teen and and college based, and, yeah. and then you're like, no, not my, no kids in my horror. <laughs> it's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> now let me go watch Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But all right, well, we'll be back next episode, 